or good, even though you may not feel like it, even though it may be dangerous, frightening, or very difficult. Courage. It's something that we are all inspired by when we see it in others, but when it comes to us, we're maybe not so keen to go down that road, the road that requires real courage. I want to talk to you this morning further about courage, and what I want to talk to you about is the courage to overcome the temptations that absolutely every one of us faces. And before I go any further, I should ask the question, is anybody here never tempted? Because if there's anybody here that's never tempted, you need to come up here and take the mic and teach me. The fact of the matter is, is that every one of us faces temptation. Even Jesus faced temptation. Can I just say this about temptation? Temptation in and of itself is not the evil. It's when you give in to temptation. That's the problem. Some of you here today feel condemned simply because you're being tempted. Can I just say this before we go any further? If you are experiencing temptation in your life, then I want to encourage you, don't despair. This is a normal part of the Christian life. Do not feel condemned. Do not feel judged. Do not feel that God is against you or God is angry at you or that God hates you or that God despises you. Being tempted is part of this life and especially part of the Christian life and definitely something that Jesus went through, just like you and just like me. Now, we all do face temptations and some of us here this morning have just gone through a really bad bout of it. You maybe are sitting here today feeling discouraged, feeling like you lost the battle, and maybe you did lose the battle. Some of you may be sitting here this morning feeling like, you know what, I can't, just can't seem to get it right. Can I just say this to you, today, to, to you today? God loves you, and he's here to encourage you and to bring you, and God wants to bring you to a new level in your Christian experience. And so please, don't be discouraged because what you're going through is what every other believer goes through. It's what everybody else goes through. Um, has anybody ever heard of Billy Graham? Anybody, anybody not heard of Billy Graham? Uh, he hasn't been preaching much lately. He's in his 90s, so we'll let him off the hook. But, uh, you know, he was always gone. He's an evangelist, always gone, and his wife had the responsibility of caring for the kids. And uh, someone went one of the reporters trying to maybe dig up some dirt on the Grams asked Mrs. Graham, did you ever feel like uh, maybe leaving your husband because of him being absent all the time? Or did you ever feel like divorcing him? And she said, no, I never felt like divorcing him or leaving him, but I, I have felt like murdering him. <laughs> so you see, even Mrs. Graham struggled with temptation. <laughs> In just a few weeks, we're going to be going into the Easter season. We're, for all intents and purposes, in the Easter season already. Jesus has just celebrated what we call now the Last Supper, the Passover, with his disciples. And it was quite an intensive 
Last Supper, some pretty heavy things that were discussed. Jesus pointed out that one of the 12 was going to betray him. Uh, it, was, it was pretty intense. After the dinner, the Bible says in Luke chapter 22, that Jesus took his disciples to the Mount of Olives to the place called the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, by the way, I just heard from Jesse this morning, who's in Israel and who actually sees the Garden of Olives, or the uh, Garden of Gethsemane, Mount of Olives, all the time. It's pretty cool. Jesus went there all the time. And it was there that Jesus would wait on God, that Jesus would pray, and seek the face of God. Jesus knows that he's about to go to the cross. He's about to be betrayed by, his, by one of his disciples. In fact, all of them would desert him. He knows that he's about to be uh, beaten, mocked, ridiculed. He knows he's going to be tortured. He knows that he's going to be crucified. His, he knows his hands will be nailed to a cross. His feet will be nailed to a cross. He knows that he is going to actually face death. He knows all this is coming. He knows that his disciples are going to see all this. He knows that they're going to face the worst or the biggest challenge of their lives, even as he will face the biggest challenge of his life. And here's what the Bible says. Let's take a look at this passage of Scripture. And if you'd read it with me. Then, accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. Now, I'm going to tell you, these disciples have already faced some stiff opposition. Jesus has faced some stiff opposition. He's been uh, maligned by the Pharisees. Uh, he tried to push him off a cliff. Uh, he, knows what the, he knows what it's like to, to be put down, to be run out of town. But this is nothing compared to what he's about to face. I want to tell you this morning, when Jesus says, pray that you will not give in to temptation, Jesus is not referring to just being morally good, making sure that you keep all the commandments. What Jesus is referring to, and we'll talk about this more in just a moment, but what he's referring to is making sure that you continue to do the will of God no matter what circumstances you may find yourself in, no matter what you may be facing in your life, Jesus is saying you need to pray that you will not give in to temptation. And here's the thing. Every one of us, on a daily basis, is going to be faced with the temptation to do not God's will, but to do our own will. Jesus is saying to his disciples, you need to prepare yourself. Because the temptation is going to come where you're going to want to do what you want to do and not what the Father wants. And then we read further on, the next few verses, that Jesus actually goes into prayer for himself, and he says, Father, if it's possible, if it's possible to escape what's coming, if it's possible, would you please take this cup from me? In other words, if you would take, please take this situation from me so that I don't have to go through this. Jesus prayed that he would hold steady and go forward and be willing to do the will of the Father, no matter what. Folks, listen to me today. Temptation is something that we will all face, and we all do face it. But i got to tell you this. 
about temptation. Because this is what we often think. Temptation, we think, means that we just, uh, we're, 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 feeling, we're feeling the urge to do something bad. You know what you think? When I'm tempted, it's to do something bad. Something that's morally wrong. Something that goes against the Ten Commandments. But in fact, temptation is far broader than that. Temptation refers to anything that would seduce us or cause us to desire anything other than what God wants for you and for me. Now, I would take you uh, to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Now remember, God gave Adam and Eve a command, and what was it? Do not eat the fruit from the tree of the, good, uh, of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, can I just remind everybody here that there is nothing evil about eating fruit? How many know that today? When I pick up an apple, take a bite of an apple, uh, it's not evil. And how many know that... Uh, we don't really know what the fruit was that they ate. How many know that? In the, in the deep thoughts of a shallow Christian that showed an apple, but we don't know really what it was. All we know is that it was fruit, and God said, don't eat it. What's the sin? The sin was not eating the fruit. It was not doing God's will. Do you understand that today? We need to understand that. Because if you don't understand that, then you've got a very shallow and immature understanding of what it means to be a Christian. The beginning stage of the Christian life is making sure that you don't break the Ten Commandments and making sure that you, that you do all the things that God tells you to do and make sure that you don't do the things that God says don't do. That's the beginning phase of the Christian life. But if you're going to move ahead, if you're going to move forward in this Christian life, then you need to understand this. The next phase is making sure that you do what God wants you to do. And here's the thing. What God wants you to do may not be the same thing that God wants me to do. It might be quite different. The thing that God says for Alan Dunk have to do is not the thing that God tells Jeff Weston to do. Jeff, aren't you glad of that? Because if, if you were supposed to do what I'm supposed to do, you'd have to be up here and you'd be having to preach. And I don't know if you're up for that today. And I don't think I could do what you do. I, I couldn't fix a computer if my life depended on it. But the point is this. I'm doing what God wants me to do, and you're doing what God wants you to do. And for me not to do what I'm doing would be sin. I'm going to ask you this morning, what is it that God has spoken into your life and told you to do that you're not doing? That, the Bible says, is very clearly, is sin. Whenever you do not do what God wants, then you are sinning. Jesus tells his disciples, guys, make sure that you pray. Pray that you will not give in to temptation. Pray that you will not just do what you want to do. Pray that God gives you the strength and the courage to do his will, because it's, it's, you're in for a real rough stretch now. It's going to be tough. These next few days 
are going to be the toughest days of your life. You're going to feel like God has deserted you. You're going to feel hopeless. You're going to be, feel frightened and scared. You're going to have, be filled with doubts and confusion. You're going to wonder whether or not God really is God. Guys, make sure that you pray so that you don't fall into the temptation of doing your own thing rather than what God wants you to do. I wonder today if there are anybody, if there's anybody here that's at that point in your life right now where you're not doing what God wants, you're doing what you want. I'm going to say this. If you want to advance in your Christian life, then you're going to have to learn what it means to do the will of your Father in heaven. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. That's what it means to be a Christian. It's not that you've learned how to keep all the Ten Commandments, and if you have, great. But it's far more than that. This is, what's, this is the difference between religion and relationship with God. In a religion, you have your checklist of things that you do and you don't do, and you check them all off and you say, yay, I'm a winner. In a relationship with God, you're saying, God, what is it you're telling me to do? And that may be talk to somebody at work about Jesus. It might be uh, forgive that person. Well, I can tell you for sure it's forgive everybody. That, that's, that's a, that's a no-brainer. That's in the commands. But it might mean you have to go a step further. Not only do you have to forgive them, but God is actually telling you to phone them and tell them that you forgive them. It might be that God's telling you that you need to love somebody that is rather unlovely. It might mean that God wants you to get involved in some ministry of the church. It might mean that God's telling you to, to, that you need to start giving when you'd rather not give. You'd rather live for yourself. You see, this is the difference. This is the difference between somebody who's following Jesus and somebody who's not. The follower of Jesus Christ is always looking to do the will of God. And he will always, she will always be tempted in this area. You'll always be tempted not to do God's will. You'll always want to do your own will. And Jesus knows that this is a struggle that we all face. And for this reason, he says, pray that you will not give in to the temptation to do your own will. So where are you at right now? My brothers and my sisters, my brethren, my beloved. Where are you at? Are you doing God's will in your life right now? Or are you doing your doing your own will, doing whatever you want. You see, the very definition of being a Christian is that you no longer do what you want to do. You are now a slave of Jesus Christ. When I say that, man, I think to myself, wow, this is not a great way to get people to come to church. Pastor just said i got to be a slave of Jesus Christ. I thought God was against slavery. Understand what I'm talking about here this morning. We're talking about a complete and total surrender to Jesus Christ where you no longer do what you want, but you only do what the Master wants. This is radical Christianity. And this is the Christianity that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Jesus said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, what must he do? He must, what, deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. So you no longer ask the question, God, uh, this, you, you, you don't, this is your prayer now. You don't go to God and say, God, this is what I want you to do. This is, this is what I want you to support me in. This is, what I, this is how the prayers that I want you to answer. That's not how you pray anymore. Now you begin to pray and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? Where is it you'd have me to go? What is it, how much do you want me to give? 
That's the prayer of an authentic Christian. And so real temptation, folks, is not just, uh, not just about not doing bad things. It's about doing the, the will of God. This is the real issue of temptation. Are you doing the will of God in your life? Well, I need to go on and, and say this about temptation. Every one of us is going to be tempted. Every one of us is going to feel that temptation to do what, what, what we want to do. But here's the thing. If you want to advance in your Christian life, then you need to learn what it means to pass the test. Back uh, a few years ago, we bought for our kids uh, Nintendo, um, a Nintendo uh, game set. I don't even know what you call it because I don't play it. But um, it was uh, the Mario Brothers. Anybody ever hear that? Yeah, you know what, the Mario Brothers? Uh, they're two plumbers. And I don't know if it's something to do with, with you know, my, my background as son of a plumber, but uh, it, was, it was an attractive and, and fun game. I actually got into it, played with the kids. Uh, I could never be as good as any of them, uh, even when they were just like six. I still could skunk me. But Mario, Mario and Luigi, remember them? Okay, so here's, here's how it works. These, these two plumbers, this is how the video game goes. They're two plumbers. And um, their job is to go into the sewers of New York and they find all of these monsters and strange creatures and their job is to actually clean the sewers of New York uh, of all of this, um, of all these, these monsters. Very much like real plumbing. And, um, <laughs> and I mean that. <laughs> and uh, here's, here's how it goes. The, there's, there are stages or phases in the game. And the only way that you can move from one phase to the next phase is what do you have to do? You've you got to be able to complete the phase, right? Yeah, and if you don't complete the phase, then what happens? You've got to start over. You don't actually move on to the next phase in the game until you've actually been able to complete that phase, and then you go on to the next phase, and you can't go on to the next phase until you complete that phase, and, and so on and so forth. Now, how like Christianity that is. You cannot go on to the next level in your Christian experience until you complete the first phase. Until you learn the things that God wants you to learn. Unless, until you actually pass the test, as it were. And unlike our school systems, You can't actually go to the next grade until you actually pass the test. Hear what I'm saying this morning? And so it is with your Christian life, with your Christian experience. You do not go on to the next level in your Christian experience, in your walk with God, until you pass these tests. And these tests, my friends, are in fact temptations. It's all about doing the will of God. Listen to me. Until you learn how to submit and do the will of God, you cannot go on to the next phase. You cannot go on to the next spiritual level. And I've seen many people been in the church for many, many years. I've seen people in the ministry, people who are missionaries, who, who have stopped dead in their tracks because they could not pass the test. And what was the problem? 
Rather than submitting to God, they rather do their own will. And I'm going to tell you this, you will never advance spiritually unless you learn what it means to submit to God and do his will. And this is why Jesus says to the disciples, you must pray that you do not give in to the temptation to do your own will, or you'll not be useful. You'll lost your joy, you'll lost the excitement of your faith. You show me somebody who's really on fire for God, and I'm going to show you somebody who's passing the test who's learning what it means to submit their will to the will of God, who are willing to say, God, it's not what I want, but I'm going to do it. My whole Christian experience, my friends, has been one test after another, and I'm no different than anybody else. And here's what God says to Alan Duncan. Alan, you don't move on to the next phase until you pass this test. You don't get out of this sewer and go on to the next sewer until you pass the test. So here's the question for you this morning. Have you been failing the test lately? Maybe you've just failed the test. Maybe you failed the test this morning. I don't know. Maybe you failed the test last night. Maybe you failed the test this past week. I don't know. But you're sitting here this morning discouraged and you feel like giving up and you feel like, ah, the whole thing just doesn't work. Listen, I want to encourage you this morning. I want to give you, I want to impart courage to you. This test that you're going through, this, this temptation that you're going through right now, it's not a bad thing. Is that shocking for some of you? My Bible says it's a good thing. And here's why. Here's what James says. In James 1.12, it says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Did you hear that? God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. How many want the blessing of God? How many want to know the joy of walking with God? Well, here's what it's going to entail. It's going to entail some, some trials and some temptation. And James goes on to say this. Afterward, those who have gone through the trials and the temptations, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And so this morning, I want to impart courage to you so that you will recognize that this testing and that this temptation that you're experiencing right now is in fact allowed by God. Now, don't anybody say that God's tempting you, because the Bible says clearly that God cannot tempt and does not tempt and will not tempt, but he allows it in our lives. That word temptation, if you do a, a, a word study, here's what you'll discover. That word temptation means uh, uh, trials with a beneficial purpose or effect. That's what temptation is. Temptation is the trial of a man's fidelity or his faithfulness, his integrity, his virtue, or his constancy. See, before God can give more for you to do or give you a bigger job or give you more responsibility, you've got to prove yourself in the small things. You've got to prove that you're able to be faithful, that you're able to do God's will rather than your own will. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you the question, where are you at in terms of what God's doing in your life? You show me somebody who uh, is bored, unhappy in their faith. You show me somebody who has lost their, their excitement, who feels like packing it in, who feels like, ah, the whole thing doesn't, it's not, it's not so much fun as the pastor said it was. I'm going to show you somebody who's been failing the test and has not been praying that God would give them the strength to overcome temptation. You know, I heard some people say, you know, pastor, I'm really spiritual. I never pray for myself. And my response to that is, well, you're stupid. No, I don't say that. But 
Because some people think they're really spiritual and they say, I never pray for myself. You're not spiritual. You're really being stupid. Okay, no, no offense intended. Because Jesus himself tells us that we should pray for ourselves, that we do not fall into temptation. Has anybody here ever heard of the Lord's Prayer? Anybody heard of that prayer? We used to say it in schools. You know what I'm talking about? What, is, what, what does Jesus teach us to pray? We begin the prayer by praying what? We begin by praying what? Give, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then what? Thy kingdom come what? Okay, stop. Thy will be done. So how many want God's will to be done? Anybody? Yeah? How many would like God's will to be done in, in your life? Anybody? And the reason you want God's will to be done is because you know that God is good and God wants the best for us, right? Okay, how many are willing now to say, God, I want your will to be done in my life, and God, I'm willing to do your will? How many are willing to say that? Ah, that's quite different, isn't it? Because here's, here's what most of us have, have learned over the years, is that God, pour on the blessing. Just bless me. Bless my socks off, God. Just bless them off. Bless my shirt off. And God says, I want to bless your socks off. I want to bless your shirt off. But the only way that that can happen is if you learn to start doing my will. You see, with God's, with God's will on, in heaven and on earth means God's got to have his way in your life. And then if you go to the end of the prayer, how, how does it close? And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Here is how the devil is going to try to get you down. Are you ready for this? The way that the devil is going to try to get you down, folks, is by getting you to do your will. Plain and simple as that. I people come to me and say, Pastor, I don't need church. I don't murder. I don't commit adultery. I don't, I don't uh, cheat and lie and steal. I, I'm faithful to my wife. I'm a good person. I want to say, well, that's the starting place. That's the beginning of it. But authentic Christianity says, not only are you going to not cheat, lie, steal, commit adultery, etc., etc., it means that you're going to actually do God's will. You're going to be His agent in this broken, dark, and hurting world. It means you're going to be His hands and His feet and His mouthpiece. It means that God's going to take you and use you to do incredible things that you never ever dreamt of. It means that you're going to make an impact on this world and on your family and on your children and on, on your spouse and on your relatives. It means you're going to make, bring light to a broken and hurting world because you're saying, God, here am I. I'm ready to do your will, and I don't care what the cost. Pray that you give not into temptation to, to do your own will. These disciples, they didn't even understand this, and they, I'm sure that Jesus was like, you guys pray, make sure you pray so you don't fall into temptation. They're like, oh, what's, what's bugging him? Okay, oh, Jesus, uh, you know, help me. Help me, God, not to give in to temptation. Am I getting this right? Oh, God, help me here. They had no idea what's to come. Jesus knew how fragile they were. Now, they've been hanging out with him for three years every day, and they were still considered fragile. What about you? Are you stronger than the disciples who spent every day with Jesus for three years? I don't think so. And so God says this. Our God, the Lord Jesus Christ, says to his disciples after he comes, he rises from the dead. 
He says, look at it. Before you go out and try to do my will, you need to get empowered by the Holy Spirit. You need to go to the upper room and wait there until the Spirit of God falls. And when the Spirit of God falls, then you're ready to go. Wow. And these disciples, they said, God, here we are. We're ready to go. Bring it upon us. And you read about, you read about in the first few chapters of Acts. It's fantastic. They're arrested and they're beaten and they're accused by the, by the religious leaders of the country. And you know what the Bible says? It says that the disciples counted it a great honor and blessing to be able to suffer for Jesus' name. Now, if you can't say that, folks, you're not in a good place spiritually. Are you ready to say, I'm willing to do whatever God calls me to do? I'm ready to lay down my life. You know, one of the reasons I love youth ministry is those kids were so on fire for God. They were so idealistic. They were like, Pastor, where, do we, where can we go to become a martyr? Did you know what the word martyr means? It means you're going to die. That's good. That's even better. Let's go. Let's go and lay down our lives for Jesus. You see, here's the thing. When God gets a hold of your heart and you get on fire for God, you're willing to say, God, I'm going to go wherever you want me to go. I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. I'm not going to do my will, God. I'm going to do your will. And listen to me, folks. The difference, again, between a religion and a relationship with God is that you're willing to say, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. It means you are actually going to hear the voice of God for every move that you make. So, Pastor, not a bit extreme? No. No, not at all. Jesus has promised never to lead you nor forsake you. He walks with you every step of the way. So you show me somebody who's on fire for God, and I'm going to show you somebody who does not do his own will, who does the will of God. You show me somebody who's bored and tired and, and just like sick of Christianity, sick of going to church, I don't want to show up for church anymore. I'm going to show you somebody who has really, really got into a deep rut of living for him or herself. You see, the joy, and this is something that you cannot understand until you learn to obey God and do what he says. The, the joy of the, and the peace and the happiness that Christ promises to his followers only happens when you obey him and, and do his will. I can't explain it. Only know that it works. There's a whole culture out there, a whole society out there that says, you know, live for yourself. You deserve the best. You, deserve, you have the right to be happy. That culture out there, they live for themselves, live for themselves, and yet they're never happy. But those who come and lay down their lives for Jesus Christ and say, God, I'm going to do your will, those are the ones that discover true happiness, true joy, true peace. They're the ones that experience the blessing of God in their lives. So I want to ask you the question today. Is God leading you? Do you hear the voice of God speaking to you and telling you what his will is? You see, it's not that he's not speaking, it's just that you're not listening. And you need to get in the habit, as Jesus says, you need to get in the habit of praying for yourself, praying that you do not give in to the temptation to live for yourself. My friend Dennis, who was just here just a moment ago, is to me a, a real blessing and encouragement. And he's a, a great example. And I said that in the first service, and afterwards he said, Pastor, you've got to let me give my testimony because I'm not as great as you make me sound. I, saw, I know you're not as great as I made you sound, but... Uh, and so does your wife know that. But uh, <laughs> here's the thing that you need to know. Dennis said, God, I want to serve you. I want to do your will. And God gave him a, a task. He gave him a, a responsibility. And his job was to start a village of hope in Burundi. 
He didn't have to do it. Nobody twisted his arm. Nobody held a gun to his head. He just, he just was listening to, to God, and God said, go and do that. You can do it. Now, he, he, look at this. He didn't say, oh, can I, or, or should I, or may I? just went and did it, because God said so. Been doing that for a number of years now. Some of us now are going to be going over to Burundi. Right, Jeff? We're going to Burundi. And we're going to see this work that God has been doing here. Now with Dennis, he could, right now, he could just walk away from it all and say, you know what, I've started it up, I've done a good job, it's somebody else's, I'm going to pass the baton. You know that kind of garbage, those kind of excuses. I'll pass the baton onto somebody else. It's somebody else's responsibility now. Listen, God gave him a task to do. And if he does not do the task, if he does not fulfill the calling to go and care for and meet the needs of those people in Burundi, guess what? He's sinning against God. And he will lose his joy, he will lose his happiness, and he will lose the blessing of God in his life. God has prospered him in his business so that he can give large chunks of money to that work in Burundi. Why do you think God is blessing his business? And why do you think God does not bless other Christian businessmen? I'll tell you why, folks. It comes down to this business of surrendering your will to the will of God. Pray that you will not give into the temptation to live for yourself, is what Jesus is saying here. Dennis has made that decision. He and his wife and his daughter made that decision. We're going to live for others. Specifically, we're going to live for Burundi, for the glory of God. Dennis says he's just amazed at God's blessing, how God's provided for him and met his needs. I'm going to tell you, it's not an accident. This is, this is what it means to walk with God and, and to discover and experiencing the outpouring of God's blessing and the outpouring of happiness. Dennis, we doesn't matter. When I talk to him, it's always, hey, man, how you doing? Big smile on his face. And, and he's got lots and lots and lots to tell me, full of life, full of happiness, full of joy. And I don't know if he's like that 100% of the time, Sally, but whenever I see him, he's happy. Listen, you want, you want a sense of Christianity? You want the kind of Christianity where your life makes a difference? Where hearts and lives are changed because of you? Then you need to start praying this prayer. Would you say it with me? Pray that you will not give in to temptation. Say it with me again. Pray that you will not give in to temptation. One more time. Pray that you will not give in to temptation. To do what? To live for yourself. Listen, there's many, many people here today. For you, this is a wake-up call. God's tapping you on your shoulder, and he's saying, you're not going to move on to the next level. You're going to stay in the same sewer and keep going round and round in circles. You'll stay in the same phase. You will not go on to the next phase until you pass this test. And that means you have to do God's will. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials and temptations of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wow. Could you imagine a cross church full of people who pray, God, Help me not to give in to the temptation to live for myself. Help me to live for others. Help me to live for you, God. Help me, God, to show up and do what you want me to do. Would you stand with me, please? Let's go to pray.
Father, we think of those disciples who were so frightened, so afraid, who denied you. And then after they received the Holy Spirit, they all went out, they went forward to do your will, not living for themselves, but living for you. And they were so happy and so full of joy and so enthusiastic about life. They're on a, a grand and glorious adventure, prepared to do your will. And we read that almost every one of them was, was martyred, put to death because of the work that they were doing. God, this is the authentic Christianity that North Americans don't want to hear anything about. This is, the, this is the Christianity that we find in the New Testament. God, I pray that Cross Church would always be faithful, faithful to proclaim the, the, the true message of the faith, which is completely surrendering our lives to Jesus Christ. God, I pray for each one here today, those, Lord, who have just failed the test and failed in, their, in, in temptation. God, I pray right now that you would encourage them by your Spirit, raise them back up, Help them to see that yesterday is gone, that if we confess our sins to you, God, you're faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God, you want to give us a fresh start, a new day. And God, we know that you're going to allow us to face the same temptations. God, we pray that this time, this time, that we will not fail, that we will be victorious, that we will pass the test and then go on to that next phase, that new adventure that's ours. God, we thank you today for what you are doing in our lives and what you want to do. We commit ourselves to you right now, thanking you for your strength and your presence and your power. In Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Amen. Tell that person beside you, go and do God's will.